0: You are listening to the Sermon Stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app, or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Good evening. I invite you to be taking out your Bibles and be turning in your New Testaments to the book of Romans, the Romans the 8th chapter, is where we will be taking the thoughts of our study this evening. Appreciate so much the invitation to be with you this week. I've been looking forward to it and looking forward to our time together to spend time in God's Word studying it and that we might grow in our faith, that we might be stronger in our walk with the Lord, that we can become more and more like Jesus. That is the goal that we should all have, that we should all be striving for. And so I so appreciate the good... uh, opportunity that we have before us this weekend also want to make mention that it is so good to see many of you here that there are a lot of other things that you could have been choosing to do this evening on a Thursday night you could have been at a ball field or doing something that you could have done a lot of other things but you made the choice to come and be with God's people And to come and to study God's Word, and that is an encouragement. And it's an encouragement to me, I know it is, to the brethren here in Mulvane. If you would be taking out your Bibles, be turning to the book of Romans, the 8th chapter. We're going to be thinking about some things from this chapter in a few moments. But as we have been trying to design the lessons for this week to be about the life that God wants for us. The kind of life that God has designed for His children. First, we need to consider maybe what might be one of a huge roadblock, a huge hindrance for people. Because not long after becoming a Christian, it is not too difficult for us to lose our zeal, to lose our enthusiasm, to lose any kind of excitement that we have after having obeyed the gospel, after having been clothed with Christ in baptism, Christians face physical and spiritual stress and depression and sluggishness. And that's not the kind of life that God intended or designed for us to have. What I'm trying to describe is what many people would call burnout. The problem of burnout is very real, and it can occur in any area of life, whether it be work or school, social and civic activities. And especially over the past couple of years, you think about with the COVID-19 pandemic and we are all probably tired and sick of hearing about that. But that definitely brought about the problem and brought attention to the problem of burnout in a very real way. And what we would describe burnout is as every day is just a bad day. Everything just goes completely wrong, at least in your mind, that nothing can go right. Your interest in your home, in your family seems like a waste of energy you don't even want to think about it exhaustion just the normal everyday activities of life that you would go through just it's dull it's not exciting there's nothing that would bring any sense of joy or happiness to you you feel undervalued And underappreciated. Those are some of the early signs of burnout. Certainly not something that would be how God wants us to live. You consider some other things that burnout can manifest itself through physical symptoms where we're just feeling tired and drained most of the time, we have a lower immunity. We're ill very frequently. We have all sorts of sickness and disease, frequent headaches and muscle pain. There can be a change in appetite or sleep habits. Those are some of the physical symptoms that might accompany burnout and what that would look like. Then there are the emotional symptoms that you might face where you just have this sense of failure that you can do nothing right. Where you have self-doubt. That you are always questioning your ability. You're always questioning what you can do and whether it's going to be successful or if it's going to even be a, a good use of your time. And you're going to think that maybe someone else should do it and not me because I certainly couldn't do it. You're going to feel helpless and trapped and defeated. And this is all going to be very internal. Someone else may never know that you're feeling this way. You're going to then have this sense of detachment from the world and from your friends and from people that would be close to you. Family. The church. You're going to try to separate yourself because you feel that kind of distance. You're going to feel completely alone in the world. Lack of motivation to do anything. and You're going to grow increasingly cynical and take on a negative outlook about everything. Not to mention the decreased satisfaction that would accompany a sense of accomplishment. And those internal and physical kinds of symptoms lead to a change in behavior. When we're talking about burnout, from a psychological standpoint at least, you're going to start withdrawing from responsibilities that you've been given. And you can probably think about how that might manifest itself in the workplace in particular where you're just burned out, you're tired, and you don't want to go through this anymore. You're just going through the motions. And eventually, you get to a point where you're just going to quit. You're just going to drop it. And with that, you're going to then isolate yourself. Remember, you already have feelings that you're alone. That you're going to feel as if you're alone, but then you're going to actually make yourself be alone. You're going to procrastinate and take longer to get things done. There might be coping mechanisms with food, drugs, or alcohol. You're going to take out your frustrations on others. You're going to skip work or come in late or leave early. Those are all things that would accompany this idea of what burnout is and how it might manifest itself in a very... A real way in our behavior. In one person said, being burned out means feeling empty and mentally exhausted, devoid of motivation and beyond caring. People experiencing burnout often don't see any hope of positive change in their situations. If excessive stress feels like you're drowning in responsibilities, burnout is a sense of being all dried up. And while you're usually aware of being under a lot of stress, you don't always notice burnout when it happens. What they are suggesting is that there is a huge difference between stress and burnout. (laughs) Stress you usually feel in your body. That you feel that pressure mounting up and it manifests itself. But the thing about burnout is that from a psychological standpoint, it is very much internalized. And it might manifest itself in behavior, but you don't feel it as much or as quickly. And so the signs of it are much harder to pinpoint and determine but as we think about burnout from a psychological standpoint what well, we're here we want to think about this from a spiritual standpoint can people feel burnt out spiritually is that something that is real and I believe very much that it is And while burnout can be the result of problems in the workplace, burnout can also be a very real problem within the church and among God's people. Christians may be feeling spiritual burnout when we don't see the value in coming to worship. When we don't see the value in being among God's people and participating in the song service and singing hymns that should be uplifting and encouraging to us when we don't engage in activities with other Christians, when we don't practice hospitality, when we refuse an invitation to come and to be with other Christians, that might be a symptom that you are burned out. When we don't desire or even value teaching Bible classes, much less attending them. When we just see and think of it as a waste of time. That might be a symptom of burnout. When deacons in the Lord's church might be tired of the responsibilities they perform without as much of a thank you. Or when elders may grow weary of their work in guarding and protecting the flock, oftentimes dealing with wolves in secret that we never know about. And being an elder and a preacher, for that matter, can sometimes be a very thankless job. And when there is no appreciation, then it can just drive those who are servant leaders among God's people to just feel this inadequacy where they feel burnt out. When we do not see the value in encouraging others. When we ourselves are only beaten down when trying to do the right thing. Maybe we grow weary in reading the Bible. We get tired of it when we get to hard and difficult passages. And when we don't understand it, we grow tired of praying, especially when we do not see instantaneous answers just like that. When we grow tired of listening and spending time in God's Word, hearing, preaching, and teaching, it can be an indication of a real deep spiritual problem, spiritual burnout. And spiritual burnout, you could still be here. You might not have apostatized. You may not have left the church. And that's the scary thing, isn't it? That you could be right here and going through all those feelings and all of those emotions. And no one ever know about it. And certainly we may never be able to completely avoid discouragement. Life is going to have discouragement. There's going to be problems. There are going to be things that set us back. Where we're going to be disappointed. We're going to be disappointed in how people have behaved. We're going to be disappointed in how people treat us. And they will be in turn disappointed in how we treat them. Where we might even be a cause of disappointment and discouragement. We may never be able to completely avoid discouragement or even spiritual burnout. But what we can do is remind ourselves each and every day of some important truths that can offer encouragement to us which ought to help us recognize that the sacrifices and the commitments that we have made as Christians are completely worth it. I hope you have your Bibles. turned to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be studying from that context here in just a moment to help us really appreciate and value some of the things that I believe the Apostle Paul and the Holy Spirit of God want us to understand about our life as a Christian. About what we have in Jesus Christ. And we want to try to avoid the problems of burnout. And while we may never be able to avoid it completely, at least being reminded of some of these spiritual truths can help us have something to rely upon. And I'm going to get caught up there on my slides. I got behind a little bit. But in Romans chapter 8, and in verse 1, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible this week. In Romans chapter 8, and verse 1, the Apostle Paul says in verse 1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace, because... The mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. If we're going to be dealing with spiritual burnout, we need to remember something about our life as a child of God. And that first principle that we need to remember is that we are freed from sin. If there is something that I think we could all be encouraged by is that we are free from the bondage and the captivity of sin. That should be something that would greatly encourage us. Where Paul says in verse one that there is no condemnation, that there is no guilt, that we, oh, we were guilty, though we have sinned. Now through Jesus Christ, there is Freedom. There's no condemnation that we have been justified. We have been transformed to no longer live that kind of life. That has all taken place, as he says in verse 2, by the law of the Spirit of life. That what the Spirit has revealed through the Gospel, that is what gives life to each and every child of God. And it releases us from the bondage of sin and death. Notice what he says there in verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. That the consequences, sin and death, that there's nothing that we can be held captive by. And for someone that is experiencing burnout, for someone who is growing discouraged and weak and tired spiritually, take refreshment in this. Take refreshment in the fact that the Spirit of God has given us life and that His law is what gives us life. For there is life living in the grace of God. If you go back to chapter 5 in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 5 and in verse 21 at the very last verse of that chapter, as Paul has been going through and he has been contrasting the condemnation that is associated with sin and with Adam and then he talks about justification through Jesus Christ. And he says at the very end of that chapter in verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That with Adam, you got sin. You got death. You got condemnation. There was only transgression. There was only violation of The Word of the Law of God. But in Jesus Christ, there's life. Adam brought forth death. And it was called the reign of death is what Paul says in Romans 5. But through Jesus, He brings life. It's now a reign of life that we can have by the grace of God. And that is something that we should not be ashamed of. In chapter 6 and verse 23, Paul says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin and death have been destroyed, brethren. In Romans 8 and verse 3, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 3, Paul says, For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. That sin and death have been destroyed through Jesus Christ. Which is Paul's point in Romans chapter 5. Every Christian, every child of God has been transformed by the grace of God. And we need to take comfort in that. That's something that we should never be ashamed of. It's something that can give us a lot of encouragement and hope. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of despair, when we see God's grace, we can be humbled and we can feel life and appreciation for the freedom that we have Through Jesus. And since we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, our minds need to be transformed. Our minds need to be refocused. Notice in Romans 8 and verses 5-8 through what Paul says. He says he's contrasting the mind that is set on the flesh and the world and all the things that might be carnal Versus the mind that is set on the things that have been revealed by the Spirit of God. He says in Romans 8 and verse 5, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace if we want to have the kind of life that God wants us to have, free from sin, free from guilt, free from condemnation, free from burnout, and it begins with setting our mind right on the things of God. Because if our mind is only focused on the flesh, If we are distracted by sin that remains in our life, then we are setting ourselves up for failure and disappointment and discouragement. Living by sin in the world, we are set on the path of failure, burnout, and death. Sin thrives in darkness, doesn't it? It creates hostility towards God and towards the people of God. This is exactly how Satan Operates. He does not have to exert a lot of force from outward problems. Satan thrives when we are discouraged, since one person who is discouraged can then discourage others. And it just grows and it multiplies. When one person feels as if they are unable to do something, and then because of their choice and because of their actions, more work is placed on someone else. And then they become burnout, out. And so then they start withdrawing. And then you have had two people who start withdrawing. And then another person, there's more work that's put on them. And guess what? Over time, they start to feel burnout, And it's just this effect that begins to multiply and discouragement just continues to grow. And that is all that Satan needs, isn't it? He doesn't even need you to do something wrong per se. He just needs you to be discouraged. Discouragement can become contagious and it can spread. And if we are finding ourselves in a situation where we are facing spiritual discouragement or spiritual burnout, remember this point. Remember that we have been freed from sin. And those feelings, you don't have to feel that way. You don't have to go through those things for your whole life. Now there might be a season where you have to work through those kinds of problems and those kinds of discouragements. But if you're always in that kind of place, Find comfort, find hope in the fact that you have been freed from sin. A second thing that we need to remember is that you are God's child. And sometimes we describe ourselves as a Christian. Maybe we say, I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. And we use that in a descriptive way. Don't just think of it as a description. Think about it as a relationship. Think about it as something that would give you confidence. You know, sometimes when you might, if, you, if you're like me, I've never just lived in one place all of my life. I've moved around quite a bit. My dad was a preacher and so moved around a lot. But whenever people know someone I know, Whenever they may even know a family member of mine, and there was just some kind of coincidence, That's something that we can bond over. Now we can take a lot of pride in that. But as we are described in the New Testament, and here in Romans chapter eight, we are described as God's child. That is no small thing. that's no light thing. That we are God's child. Notice in Romans chapter 8 and in verse 14. Paul says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. He says, we have received a spirit of adoption as sons, as children, The beauty of adoption is that there was a choice that was made. My youngest son, he's not here. He's with his grandmother back home. He's you trust me, he needed a nap this afternoon. <laughs> uh you would have to know Zeke. And you'll you'll get to meet him later on. He is always wild and rambunctious, and Thursdays are just a busy day, and he didn't get a nap. So But what you will notice about my son that we've adopted Him. We adopted Him. There was a choice that we made to adopt. God chose us. God chose to adopt us. There's a beauty in that that can give us a whole new kind of mindset of appreciation. And we do not have to be fearful of approaching God. He says in verse 15, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. We don't have to be afraid in our approach before God because God wants us to speak to Him. He wants us to pray to Him. He wants us to worship Him. He wants us to have fellowship and commune with Him. So much so that we can cry out, Abba, Father. The term Abba was the Aramaic term for Father. Some have suggested that it was like the babbling of a baby saying, Dada or Daddy or Papa. But what it has also been shown is to be an expression of reverence. It's not an irreverent kind of way to describe God. It is a word of affection that we place our complete life and our trust in who God is. That He is our Father. And the point Paul is making is that Christians are God's children. And that we can have a loving, intimate, close relationship with the Creator of the universe. The One who is powerful enough to speak the world into existence. He wants a relationship with you and me. and as God's child. He says in verse 17, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Whenever we adopted our son, we had a peculiar judge. But one of the questions that he asked was if we adopted him, if he would be a full heir of mine. That whatever would go to my biological son would also go to him. The answer was absolutely yes. Paul is saying that if we're children of God, we are heirs of God. Joint heirs with God's only begotten son jesus in the book of first peter in first peter chapter 1 in first peter chapter 1 and in verse 4 peter says to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you That's the inheritance that we have the promise of receiving. To dwell with God for eternity. Since God is our Father and we are His children, we can pray to Him. And we can thank God for our spiritual family, our Christian family. We can thank the Lord for the relationships that we have with one another. We can thank them for those who are willing to serve in the Lord's church, whether it be a Bible class teacher or a preacher or elder or deacon. We need to pray for people. Especially those who serve. Because many times those who serve and those who volunteer, they're rarely thanked. We need to thank them. And if you think you might be dealing with spiritual burnout, then you probably don't even feel like praying, just to be honest. You probably feel as if your prayers don't go past the ceiling. They're just completely ineffective. However, prayer and Bible reading and just meditation on what you've read and praying about what you've read can offer introspection and reorientation and rejuvenation in your life and your daily activities. It's not going to be a quick fix necessarily. It's not going to be like going through a drive through at McDonald's where it's just right there for you. But it can help focus you. That if you remember that you are God's child, that you have a relationship with God, that you have the promise of an inheritance with Him where you can dwell with Him for all of eternity, remember that when you're dealing with burnout. When you feel like giving up, remember that you are God's child. And closely related to what we've already been talking about, remember your hope for future glory. In Romans 8 and verse 18, He says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. On Sunday morning, we are going to have some more things to say about this glory and the redemption of our body. But what I want you to see is that as a child of God, there is something better that awaits this life. And so many times when we get discouraged, when we are dealing and facing depression, when we are facing Burnout and we feel like giving up and we feel as if there is nothing valuable going on in our life, in our relationships, in our family, at work, that in our church, there's nothing that is worth putting in the time or the effort. When we feel that way, pause and remember that there is suffering. There's pain. There's anguish in life. And if I were to tell you something different, I would be lying to you. And I wouldn't, I couldn't do that in good conscience. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible tells us there's going to be hardships. That things are going to be hard sometimes. The Bible tells us that very plainly and very clearly. But what it also offers is good news. That there is glory beyond this life. That there is hope for something after this. And the key comes down to what he says in verse 25: but if we hope for what we do not see with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. We have to persevere. We have to endure. And we have to wait. If you're like me, you don't like to wait. (laughs) I like things right now. Boy, aren't we spoiled. You get on Amazon and two days later you expect that package delivered and if it's not there in that two days, you're irritated, aren't you? Because you're paying good money for that. We expect things here and now. I tell kids back home at church, that, and if you ever mailed things off whenever I was a kid and you wanted to order something in the mail, you had to wait like three weeks for it to maybe even get there. And then for it to get back, it might have been like six months later and you'd forgotten all about it at that point. Amazon has us spoiled. But as a Christian, we have to learn to wait. We have to wait. And that may mean that we have to wait and we have to endure and that we have to go through the valleys before we get to the hilltops of glory. We need to remember that hope of our future glory. We need to remember that God causes good things for those who love Him. In Romans 8 and verse 28, he says, We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Think about in the context here of Romans chapter 8, that what all Paul is really trying to help us see. That he says... That God causes all things to work together for good. I've heard a lot of people say that. I was at a a funeral one time. It was a dear friend of mine. His, His brother had actually committed suicide. And the Baptist preacher got up there and he said that God foreordained that to happen from before the foundation of the world. And that God causes all things to work together for good. (laughs) I don't know how that was supposed to be any comfort to the family. And that's sometimes how that verse is just hijacked and it's taken out of its context. But I want to let us... See that in its context. See what Paul is talking about. What God gives us. In verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are children of God, Paul has said. That we have the first fruits of the Spirit and the hope of our own bodily resurrection. We have the hope of eternal life. There is salvation that he has said in verse 24. There's perseverance that... Through Jesus Christ, you and I can persevere. It may be hard, it may be difficult, but we can endure. We have the Spirit's intercession in our prayers. Paul has wanted us to see all the good things that God has given us, that through that, he says in verse 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. When that is the kind of life that we're living, those are the good things that God is giving us. And these spiritual blessings, when we focus our life and our mind on those things, that is what can help us Combat burnout. Because God is giving us those blessings. We can count that to our benefit. And one final thing that we need to remember as we might be combating and dealing with spiritual burnout. We need to remember that God loves you. God loves you, and He has saved you. In Romans chapter 8, in Romans chapter 8, and in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare His own Son but delivered Him over for us all, how will He not also with Him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the One who justifies Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is He who died. Yes, rather, who is raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who also intercedes for us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Well, tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 36, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sometimes it may feel just like empty platitudes to say God loves you. I get that. If you feel burnout, if you feel discouraged or depressed, hearing that God loves you, that may just be falling on deaf ears. Don't let words be the only thing you hear. Look at what God has done. That's what Paul tries to get us to see. In verse 32, he says, God did not spare His own Son. That God loves you so much that He did not spare His own Son. Verse 33, that He is the one who justifies you. When you... Were a terrible, miserable sinner who was in no way deserving of God's grace or of God's love, God did not spare his only begotten Son. Instead, he justified you, he released you from the condemnation and the guilt that is there. And now, when we sin, after we have been justified, we have an intercessor, a mediator, who intercedes for us in verse 34. Look at what God has done and what God has provided through Jesus Christ. And there is no outside danger or threat that can separate us from the love of God. Life and death cannot separate you from God's love. The cosmic forces of evil or earthly authorities cannot separate you from the love of God. Present or future tribulations, distress or persecutions or even burnout, it cannot separate you from the love of God. Height and depth cannot separate you from God's love. There is nowhere that you can go that God's love cannot be found. And he says in verse 37 that we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Look to what God has done because of His love. When you're facing discouragement, when you're facing burnout, remember that god loves you that his love empowers you remember that because of god's love and christ's sacrifice that you can enjoy a beautiful living, thriving and exhilarating relationship with god and christ your savior you can have the kind of life that is very the very much the opposite of the life of burnout and the danger of spiritual burnout I believe, can be avoided or at least combated or that we can at least manage it in a healthy way if we remember that You are freed from your sins. You don't have to continue in that life of sin. That You are God's child. Remember that. Remember that You have... A future hope of glory. That you have something to look forward to beyond this life and its trials and its tribulations. Remember that God causes good things for those who love Him. And remember that God loves you. I think when we remember those things, we're going to find it worth serving. And sacrificing. And worshiping. And attending. And teaching and being taught. And doing whatever is necessary to please the Lord. We need to be able to deal and cope with spiritual burnout. But this is not the kind of life that God wants for You and for me. Feeling burnout. Feeling discouraged. Feeling depressed. He wants us to remember that because of God's love, we are empowered. We are victorious. We can overcome. Paul said in Romans 8 and verse 37, Yet in all these things, We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Tonight, if you are not a child of God, we want you to become a Christian. This lesson hasn't been designed to teach you what you must do to become a Christian, but if you believe in Jesus the Christ as the Son of God who gave His life for you, if you're willing to be united with Him in baptism, Be immersed in water, your sins can be washed away. You can become his child. You can be free. You don't have to be held captive by sin or burnout or depression or discouragement or any such thing. You can feel the empowerment that is associated with God's love and with God's grace. Maybe, though, you are a Christian and you've been struggling. The brethren here are ready to pray for you. To welcome you and to receive you. If you have something to confess, we're here to hear that. If you need to repent of your sins, we encourage you to do that. Make sure that your life is right with God. So that you can be victorious. If we can help you in some way, would you come now as we stand and as we sing? Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available... At MulvaneChurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible Way makes.